Come on, y'all good? Who's hungry for the word? Well, it's so good to be back with you today as we continue this series called How to Read the Bible and more about that in just a second. Let me take a minute just to reiterate something that you heard on the video announcements and uh, that is three services, y'all. Come on, we're two weeks away. February 5th, three services, 815 10 a.m., 11.45, eight 11.45. Hey, more than just a reminder, I want you to recognize the season that we're in. I hope that you don't take for granted for a second how good that God has been. Even all of the growth, growth this is the work of God, and we're making more room for more people. But guess what? In order for us to do that well, we need more people serving. And so I'm going to take the teaching hat off for a second. I'm going to take the pastor hat and put it on. I'm going to charge you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, if you said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, I want you to know part of following Jesus is serving the Lord with gladness. And so if you have not gone through growth track, I'm going to ask you, go through growth track. Maybe you have gone through growth track, but you haven't found yourself on a serve team yet. I want to encourage you, go to the welcome desk after service and just say, hey, I need to take that step. God's been speaking to me. This is my church family. I want to be part of helping create an atmosphere for people to know God, experience freedom, discover purpose, and live on mission. And then if you are serving, let me just say thank you, thank you, thank you to all those that go above and beyond to make all of this possible. We know that you're not serving Vertical Chapel, you're serving Jesus Christ. And uh, maybe you're in a season right now where you've got extra capacity. And maybe it wouldn't be a stretch for you to say, you know what, Pastor Sean, I could do another Sunday at least until we get enough people helping in areas. If this is your home, I'm gonna ask you, would you help us steward what God is doing well by stepping into helping us create more room for more people, amen? Amen. I know it's going to be powerful. And then uh, secondly, I will not be with you. My wife will not be with you. Next Sunday, we're going to be in Abilene, Texas, ministering to a church there. Uh, we're a part of a pastor relational network, and Elise and I get the privilege to pastor and to shepherd other pastors and uh, their spouses. And so, um, fact, speaking of the brotherhood group that I pastor, uh, one of the pastors in that brotherhood group. He and his wife are here today from California, y'all. They flew in and uh, sitting right here before my bride. And uh, make sure before you leave, you get a chance to say hi to them. They're here because they want to learn. They want to grow. They reached out and said, hey, could you help us? And so we don't, we don't believe that Vertical is a church for Vertical, that we are a church for churches. Amen. And this isn't about vertical, it's about the kingdom of God. And so we want to help as many churches as we can. And then next Sunday, um, Elisa and I will be ministering at a church in Abilene. Another pastor from uh, our group is going through a really difficult time. So we're going to go. Would you pray for us as we go? We'll be gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll come back Sunday night. Be praying for us. Pastor Doug's going to bring the word next Sunday. I know it's going to be amazing. Amen. All right, well, let's grab our Bibles and let's pray. Let's get ready for what God wants to speak to us today. I know he's got a word for us today. Father, we thank you for your word. We believe that it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
Lord, that it wasn't given to us so that we could just hear it, but that we would receive it, come into agreement with it, and then put it into practice, that we would obey it at all costs. And that if we do that, Holy Spirit, you begin to shape us and mold us and transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Father, we could pray all day long that we want you to receive glory. Your word tells us how you receive glory, that we would bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, would you speak to us, shape us, mold us, have your way in us. We surrender. Come on, say that to him right now if you mean it. God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my mind to you, my heart to you. Come. Speak to me. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on. And all God's people said amen. Come on. Give Jesus your best praise today. Come on. Come on. We got a lot to be thankful for. Well, I'm so excited that we're now in the third part of this series called How to Read the Bible. Week one, I really did an introduction explaining what the Bible is and why we can trust it as the authoritative, the inerrant word of God, that it is perfect, it's miraculous that we have this, we can trust God's word. And then last week, Pastor Jesus did a fantastic job talking about that God's word is beyond words, that it's not just words on a page. And then today, my assignment is to tell you that God's word is our daily bread. Say that with me, our daily bread. Bread. Say it one more time like you're excited to be in church today. Come on, say our daily bread. Jesus actually used those three words when his disciples asked him if he would teach them how to pray. Now listen, they knew how to pray. But what they were saying is, Jesus, teach us how to pray like you. Because when you pray, there's authority. When you pray, there's power. When you pray, you are so connected to God. It is obvious to us, Lord... Jesus, teach us how to do and experience what you're doing and what you're experiencing. And so Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice this, give us this day, one, two, three, our daily bread. And forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus models a prayer. And by doing so, he's telling us, here's how you pray. Don't recite it, but use it as a guide. Why? Because it's telling you what's important to the Father's heart. Jesus was telling us what his Father was like in this model for prayer. And tucked right in the middle of it, Jesus says, here's what I want you to ask God for every day. Ask him for daily bread. Do you know the implication of that? The Bible is referred to as bread. Jesus is referred to as the bread of life. We, we learned week one that Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus. I can't follow Jesus apart from the word of God. Why? Jesus is the personification of the word. The word became flesh. He, he is nourishment for our soul. The fact that Jesus would tell his disciples and in so doing tell you and me today that we have daily bread. Here's what Jesus is saying, that you and I have daily access to constant spiritual nourishment in Christ. But so often, church, listen, we are relying on a Sunday to get our feeding for the week. And we're running this race called faith on fumes, 
hoping that we will receive enough on a Sunday to sustain us all throughout the week. And Jesus goes, hey, I've got daily bread for you. You see, there was this woman named Mary Cain. She was a young girl. And at one point, she was the fastest female runner in America. She was a phenomenon. She was the youngest track and field athlete ever to make the, champ, the world championships team. She was so good that Nike decided, we're going to sign you. You're a big deal. You're not just going to the Olympics. You're going to dominate the Olympics, and you are a sure win for a gold medal. Well, here's the deal. None of that happened. And so the obvious question is, why don't we know about her? Why have we not heard her name? Why did she not go to the Olympics and win a gold medal? Well, the rest of the story is that when Nike signed her, Nike felt like she was overweight. So Nike increased the miles that she would run each day and decreased her caloric intake. And after a period of time, her body actually began to shut down. It was malfunctioning. Now, here's the crazy thing about the story. She did not miss out on a gold medal because she wasn't good enough. She didn't miss that gold medal because she didn't have the talent. She didn't miss that gold medal because she didn't have the drive. She missed that gold medal, pay attention, because she was malnourished. And I wonder, church, how many spiritual victories we're missing out on because we're malnourished. How many opportunities, moments where God wants to move on our hearts, where God wants to meet us in the quiet place of our day, and we're not experiencing all that God has for us because we're running a race on the fumes of a Sunday sermon. I got good news. God wants more for us than that. Can I get an amen? Look to your neighbor and say, God wants more for you than that. Look to the other neighbor who didn't sing well during worship and say, you really need to hear this. Come on, tell them. So God says, I've got daily bread for you. How do we do that? I'm going to get super practical with you today. Point number one, write it down. We need to determine the right setting. If we're going to spend time with God, we need to determine the right setting. What does setting represent? The place and the time. We got to figure out the right place and we got to figure out the right time. Look what Mark says about Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, pay attention to the descriptions, while it was still dark, he departed and he went out, notice that, he went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. There he spent time with God. Now, if you know about the four gospels and you know about the writers, you know that Mark is not very descriptive. But in this case, Mark does not just say, Jesus got up, he went to some place, he spent time with God. No, he wants us to know it's very early why it's, while it's still dark, a.k.a. other people were sleeping. And he didn't just go to a place, he went out, past the distractions, past the noise, past the people to a desolate place. And that word in the Greek for desolate means to be stripped or barren. Free of distractions, free of the noise, free of that work device, come on somebody, free of social media, free of all of those things in order to meet with God. What am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. If you really want to meet with God, then you're going to have to embrace the inconvenience. Because it's not convenient to meet with God. 
In fact, let me say it a different way. If you want to make room for spiritual things in your life, you're going to have to start saying no to the things in the natural. You've got to make room for what God wants to do in your life. I made a list. Away from the noise, away from the distractions, away from the cell phone, come on somebody, away from that TV show you can't stop binge watching, unless it's the chosen. Come on. Away from Amazon shopping, I just read your mail. Away from Instagram scrolling, away from TikToking, away from the evening news because you just have to know everything that's going on because you want to be in control. Away from that work device that you can't be around without working off hours and ignoring your family. Away from people's expectations that are unhealthy and go against what God wants for your life. A desolate place. Jesus was willing to sacrifice things in the natural in order to spend time with God. What did he sacrifice? He sacrificed sleep and he sacrificed convenience. Let me ask you a question. What are you willing to sacrifice in order to spend time with God? Or are you waiting for a convenient time? Are you waiting for a moment where you don't have to commit very much? See, the question is, God says, I've got this daily bread for you. I want to meet with you. But if you want to meet with me, then you're going to have to embrace the inconvenience. Why? Because it's not going to be convenient, and you're going to have to sacrifice some things in order to make room for me. I need a better amen. Psalm 5, 3, I love this. Oh, Lord, in the morning, say morning, morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you. Notice this, and I watch. Come on, I'm willing to sacrifice some things to meet with God. Why? Because I know he's faithful and he's going to show up. I'm going to watch with expectation. My day's going to be different today. Why? Because I allowed God to prepare my heart. Am I preaching to anybody today? Let, let me tell you what morning is. I want you to write this down in your notes. Morning is the hour of first. It's the hour of first. Putting God first. Come on, before the day begins, before you start interacting with people, especially your spouse. Come on, somebody. Before you start making decisions, before anything else, you make room to spend time with God in the right place, at the right time. Now listen to me. I know some of you, you heard that went, oh, I'm a night owl. I'm with you. I loathe the morning. Come on, somebody. Like, can we get honest in church? Like, Elise and I could not be more polar opposite. She loves the morning. I don't. I love the night. I, I do my best work at night. I'm the most creative at night. So it monkeys with me. Like by 7 a.m., y'all, she has read the entire book of Proverbs. She's written a sermon. She's gone for a two-hour prayer, prayer walk. She's uh, baking something and getting the kids ready for school. By 7 a.m., y'all, maybe I've taken one of my six vitamins. <laughs> and I'm highly contemplating if I'm even going to take a shower. How many with me? You know what I mean? Can, can we just get real in church? So it creates a tension, right? Because some of us are not wired that way. Let me tell you the best setting. Write it down. 
The right setting is when and where you can give your whole devotion to God. It's the when and where I can give my whole devotion to God. What good would it be if you are a night owl and you're trying to spend your best time with God in the morning and you can't even give him your whole devotion because you're so distracted and exhausted? But what I'm not telling you is that you don't need to spend time with God in the morning. You might not be a morning person, but you need to spend some time in the morning. You need to wake up and give him praise. You need to wake up and say, God... Thank you for new mercy today. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I get to be the light and the salt of Jesus Christ in the earth. Amen? Amen. Come on, we got to determine the right setting. Here's the second thing we got to do. We got to use the right tools. Like there are tools that God has actually given you to help you study the Bible. One of those tools is what we're doing right now as a church. It's the one-year Bible reading plan. You're going to hear about it every Sunday. Every person in the church is welcome to join, and we're going through the Bible together. One of the other amazing tools that God has blessed us with, somebody in our church wrote a 21-day devotional for our Pursuit 21 fast. If you just go to the website, you can download the electronic. I'm telling you, it's amazing. It is anointed by the Lord. And even if you're not doing the fast, I would encourage you just to do it because it's going to be an encouragement to your spirit. We also have Right Now Media. It's like the Holy Spirit of Hulu. Come on, somebody. It's the Christian version of Netflix. It is loaded with amazing sermons, Bible studies, men's conferences, women, all of this stuff. And guess what? Vertical pays for the subscription. So if you're here today or you're watching online, you can join for free. We've already paid for it. It is our gift to you. Why? Because we want to help you study the Word of God. But I've got another tool for you, and when you walked in, you should have received this oversized bookmark. I want to give you a simple Bible study tool or a method called SOAP. Come on, say SOAP. soap. You want to hear something crazy about me? I love soap, y'all. I'm all about that good hand soap. Like, and I kind of like the girly kind. I want it to be smelling like eucalyptus, um, rosemary, mint. Like, I can't go to Ross without picking up a bar of soap for $2.99. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, I love soap. So I'm going to give you this model. Some of you, you know it and you use it. Some of you, you maybe know it, but you're not using it. Some of you maybe never even heard of it. I just want to show you how simple it is, not just to read the Bible, but to study the Bible in all of the directions that we're going to cover is on the back side of this card. So you stick it in your Bible, and as you're studying God's Word every day, you just take it out to remind you how to do this method. Are you with me? Here's what S stands for. It stands for Scripture. So, so what are we doing? Okay, step one, we're reading the text. And notice it says this. Read God's word carefully, and then in your journal, say journal. You need a journal, y'all. Get a journal. Get, get a pencil. Get a pen. Get highlighters. I journal all the time. Elisa journals all the time. So you read, and then you read it carefully, and then in your journal, check this out. You're going to write down one or two verses that the Holy Spirit highlights to you. Now, if you're doing the one-year Bible reading plan, you might be reading three chapters of the Bible a day. Listen, nobody can take in three chapters. 
But guess what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is going to reveal and highlight certain verses or certain phrases to you. What do you do when the Holy Spirit begins to do that? You write it down in your journal. Literally take the verse and write it out word for word. There's something that happens in your heart, something that happens in your spirit when you are writing it down and you are seeing what you're writing. So step one is to read the text. That is S. O stands for observation. Observation. So now I'm not going to read the text. I'm going to investigate. I'm going to examine the text. Like I'm going to wrestle with it because I don't want to just read God's word. How many of you know we need revelation from the Holy Spirit? You do not need information. Information will not change your life. Revelation, if you put it into practice, will begin to transform you from the inside out. Can I get a better amen? So, so let me just say, here's some questions that you ask when the Holy Spirit reveals those one or two verses and you write it down. Ask this, who is it written by? Who is it written to? What seems interesting or unusual? What comes before or after the text? So if you're in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 sticks out to you and you're not sure what it means, go back and read verse 1, 2, and 3 and then five, six, seven, until you get the meaning. When you read it in its form, it's going to give you understanding about what's being said. Listen, it's dangerous just to take one verse and then to run with it and, 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 and kind of build your own theology or doctrine. That's not how you study the Bible. So, so read before and after. Okay, what jumps out to you most about the passage? And then what is the main point? Church, this is why week one, I said you need to get a study Bible. Because a lot of this, there are tools in that study Bible that are going to help you understand this. Why? Because again, we don't want just information. We want revelation from the Holy Spirit. We want God to reveal things to us. Amen? Amen. So after we've examined, what do we do? A stands for application. Application. So we've read the text. We've examined the text. Now what are we doing? We're applying the text. What is God saying to you? Listen, if you're reading Ephesians, okay, Paul wrote it. Paul wrote it to believers, a church in the city of Ephesus. We get that. But God wasn't just writing all those years ago to people that you've never met. In so doing, God wants to speak a today word for you. So what is it, God, that you're saying to me in this passage how can you obey God's word by applying it to your life today? What step do you need to take today? In other words, you might be reading about, unfor about forgiveness and, and the Holy Spirit goes, hey, you've got unforgiveness in your heart. Okay, what is my response to the revelation? I need to forgive that person. Husband, you might be reading in Ephesians that we as husbands are to love our wives like Christ loves the church and the Holy Spirit might convict you in that moment. And you say, you know what, I haven't been loving my wife well. In fact, I've been distant. I've maybe even said some things that are not the most loving. It's not just about getting the revelation from God, but God, I'm going to apply it to my life. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to go ask my wife for forgiveness because she's treasure. And she deserves for me to love her like Christ loves the church. Maybe it's you're reading something about purity, and the Holy Spirit highlights pornography, highlights a spirit of perversion in your heart. Listen, God 
is not exposing you. God is exposing the thing in you that he wants to set you free from so that you can have a love relationship with him on a very intimate level. Amen? So, but you got, you got to apply it. And then number four, it's prayer. Come on, it's prayer. This is a big one, y'all. Prayer. Come on, somebody say prayer. So you actually pray the text. You got to come into agreement with God's word. It's one thing to know what it says. It's another thing to submit to it in agreement. God, your word is the authority for my life. But you know what? I need the Holy Spirit to help me. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. God, I need Holy Spirit power to live out what your word is telling me to live out. Because I can't do it in my own strength. I've tried before and I keep failing, but I know that all things are possible through Christ who gives me strength. Holy Spirit, I need you. Come on, you might be struggling with a spirit of fear. You're going to pray the word of God over you. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power love in a sound mind. You're declaring the word of God. I need a better amen. you, you got to wrestle with it. Why is this so important? Because we live in a microwave culture. We now get mad because the microwave didn't cook it fast enough. Popcorn takes two minutes? Can I just tell you, the best spiritual food for your soul is slow cooked. It's the willing to wrestle with God. You're not a part of my schedule, God. You are my schedule. And I want to meet with you at the right time in the right place. And I'm not getting up until what you need to break in me becomes broken that I would walk differently today. Come on, if you know this is truth, give them some praise. I want you to write this down. We receive from God's word what we're willing to invest in it. Listen, y'all, that's like anything. Your marriage will be as healthy as your investment. Your physical health will be as healthy as your investment. Your reading scripture is going to be as healthy as your investment. The Bible says a man or a woman reaps what he or she sows. You will not reap a harvest that is opposite to the seed that you put in the ground. That is the law of God's kingdom. You will reap. What are you willing to invest in God's word? Let me just tell you, when I first got saved, it was 1998. Had no idea how to read the Bible. Somebody recommended this little devotional that was called Our Daily Bread. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Came in the mail. And, uh, and I, at night, because that was my best time with the Lord, I would come home and I would read the Bible. And God would begin to speak to me. And he was speaking things like forgiveness, speaking all of this. And I was walking in obedience to what his word was saying. Months go by. I'm at Woodshop in high school. 12th grade, and my woodshop teacher says, Cooper, I need you to stay after class. I want to talk to you. How many of you know I think I'm in trouble? Come on, somebody. Yep. All the kids fall out. I'm still sitting in my desk. He gets up from his woodshop desk, comes, sits on the desk right in front of me, spins around and looks at me. He's looking me right in the eye. He goes, you're different. And I said, what? He goes, you're different. You don't talk the way you used to talk. You're not cussing and swearing. I don't hear you or see you degrading girls. I don't hear you talking with those people about getting hammered and high and partying and clubbing. Y'all, that moment, 
he is a non-believer. That moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, don't ever underestimate the power of my word. I realized that God was changing me from the inside out so that was coming out was not behavior management. And he wasn't a believer, so he didn't know how to describe it. All he knew is you are different. Y'all, it was the first time I ever got to witness Jesus. I said, I gave my life to Christ, and I've just been in his word, and I feel like he's transforming me from the inside out. All glory to God. Now listen, hey, before you clap, listen to me. Some of you hear that, and you go, I want that. I want that. Man, I want that to be true in my life. Here's the good news. God has daily bread for you. He gives you access to total nourishment. God will transform you. You just got to make room for God, and he wants to spend time with you. If you know this is worth giving him praise for, come on, now give him some praise. Jesus. So you got to determine the right setting. You got to use the right tools. Here's the third one. You need to remember the right posture. Oh, can I tell you what the right posture is? Two H words. Stay hungry and stay humble. Oh, come on, somebody. Stay hungry, stay humble. When I went to Bible college, I knew the Lord was calling me to be a pastor. I knew nothing about the Bible, y'all. Nothing. I didn't know the stories. I didn't grow up in church. And I remember a spirit of fear coming over me when I was on my way to Bible college, and I actually didn't want to go to class. I didn't even want to bring my Bible because I knew the professor would say, hey, I need you to turn to this passage of Scripture, and I wouldn't know. On top of that, I wasn't a strong reader, so I was embarrassed because I didn't read well. And I remember saying to the Lord, all of these kids grew up in church. They know all the passages. They know all the stories. I'm going to look like an idiot. This is my prayer with the Lord. God said, Sean, if you stay hungry and you stay humble, I will take care of the rest. And I watched God grow me in my walk. I watched him grow me in the understanding of the word of God. And it wasn't a striving. It was a resting in his goodness. And when I was resting in his goodness and just showing up humble, showing up hungry, God began to do the work, y'all. And I'm telling you, God will do the work in you. God will do the work in you. You know, humility and hunger, you want to know what the fruit of those two things are? Relationship with the Lord. Relationship with God. That's what this is all about. Relationship with Jesus. And I believe that even us hearing this message, there are people in this room go, like, I want to have a quiet time, but I've tried before and it just feels dead. It just feels fruitless. So here's the deal. I want to give you three things that if you do these three things, they're not a formula. They're just simply God's word. If you do these three things and how to have a quiet time, I promise you, your quiet time is going to get touched by God because how many of you know you can devote time to God and not your heart? A lot of us are devoting time, but we're not devoting our hearts. God goes, no, 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 I want your heart, I want your life. What do you do first? Number one, here it is, start with worship. Start with worship. 
You want to know why we start with worship? Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Look at this. Enter his gates. When you come to him, before you ask him for anything, before you give him a list of your rules, a list of your needs, a list of your wants, before you even read the Bible, begin to worship God. Begin to bless the name of God. Tell him that he's worthy. Tell him that you want him to come and meet with you. Church, pay attention. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. You want to know what that means? There is something about worship that God cannot deny. When he sees you in that desolate place, at that inconvenient time, and you begin to worship him, you get God's attention and God goes, that's my invitation to show up and meet with my son and my daughter. I inhabit the, listen, so many times we go to meet with God, but we don't invite him to show up. Worship is what invites him. Put your phone on, put a song on, and just begin to worship. God, I don't want to meet about you. I want to meet with you. This week, in fact, it was yesterday, I was having my quiet time, and I'm in our bedroom. And the Lord says, call, London, call Lola in. Lola's our youngest. She's nine years old. And said, why don't you have your quiet time with us? So I'm in there, and she brings in her Bible, and I've got a song on, and I'm worshiping. And the Lord says, teach her to worship. Teach her to worship. And so I said, hey, Lola, put your Bible down. Let's just worship. She looks at me like this. I said, baby, God doesn't care if you sing off key. He doesn't care about any of that. You don't even have to know all the words. He just wants your heart. I said, think about and just sing to him. We start worshiping. The presence of God starts falling in that bedroom. And I'm watching her, and I'm watching her worship in a different way. She was becoming very aware of the presence of God. She was so new, so raw. We get done worshiping. I said, hey, we're going to pray, but I want you to pray, and Daddy's going to come into agreement with you. And she went. I said, baby, you don't have to have all the right words. Just tell him you love him. Say, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his blood. She begins to pray. Y'all, the presence of God hits her so hard, she just starts bawling before the Lord. She can't even finish her prayer. It's the first time Elisa and I have seen a nine-year-old like that have an encounter with the Lord. She didn't even have all the words. I said, do you know God's in this room? And she said, yes. As happy as I was to see my daughter have that encounter, how happy was her heavenly father to be the one who encountered her. Don't just put it as something on a list that you check off. Number two, read the Bible with soap. Come on, give it a shot. 
use it. You'll get better the more you use it. Get the journal. Don't put God in a microwave. Lay yourself on the altar. Say, God, I'm going to wrestle with you. I don't want to just read your word. I want to receive revelation so that I can apply what you're speaking to me so that my life can be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, that my life would bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that, Father, you would receive all the glory. Read the Bible with soap. Number three, it's a big one. We're done. Pray and listen to God. I worded that on purpose, y'all. Pray and listen to God. Some of us, we make prayer a one-way conversation where we just talk and give the list. Check this out. Jeremiah 33.3, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. He says, come and pray to me. And there's some things I want to tell you. Oftentimes we don't hear what God wants to say because we're doing all the talking. But can I tell you, if you start with worship and then move into his word, your countenance change, your heart changes, your mindset changes, and you become very open to receiving what God wants to say to you. The order matters. The order matters. Come on, say that, the order matters. It's not a formula. It's just God's word. It's just God's word. I know for some of you, you hear this and you're like, oh, Pastor Sean, Man, this is going to be some discipline for me to start doing that. I want you to write this last thing down. What starts as discipline eventually becomes devotion. You're not always going to feel like reading the word. You're not going to feel like putting worship on. Listen to me, but if you're waiting for a feeling, you're going to miss out on daily bread. God has already given you the invitation. The only thing he wants to know, will you make room to receive that invitation? Come on. Monday, when it gets crazy. Tuesday, when you're struggling with whatever it might be. Wednesday, will you make room for a daily feeding with God? Don't be like the fastest girl in America that didn't get to experience the victories. God says, no, I got nourishment for you so that you can experience all that I have for your life. Come on, would you pray with me? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, for those of us that have been instructed by your word to simply start reading and studying and wrestling, our answer is yes. The right setting, God, the desolate place. Well, it's still very dark. The right time, the right place, we make room for you. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you heard me talk about relationship with Jesus, and the truth is you don't have one. Maybe you're here and you kind of know church or this is all new to you. I want you to know that Jesus Christ died for you, that heaven and hell are real, that because of our sin, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And we will all stand before God who is merciful, but he is also a judge. People often say, how could a loving God send people to hell? Here's the truth. God doesn't send people to hell. You and I are going to hell because of our sin. God so loved you and me that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the payment for my sin and your sin so that we would be able to choose what we will do with Jesus. 
And those of us who choose to receive Jesus and to surrender our lives to him as Lord and Savior, we will be saved and spared from the wrath and eternal judgment of hell. See, this is the reality of the gospel that a lot of churches won't talk about. But this is the reality of the gospel that we will all one day face. God doesn't want anybody to perish. The Bible says that if you confess Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Let me just say what it means to confess him as Lord. It means to understand that he's a king and that he came to bring a kingdom and that if he's my king, then now I'm subject to him. I've surrendered everything to him. He is my Lord and Savior. He has rules to his kingdom. I'm now abiding by his rules. I'm not in charge anymore. I've surrendered those rights to King Jesus. And the only way I get into the kingdom is through repentance to come with humility to recognize that I am a sinner and I haven't just made mistakes. I have rebelled against a holy God and yet he still loves me and he would send his son Jesus to die for me. There's a repentance. I don't want to be in control. I surrender everything to Christ. And then you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Here's why. Because the result of sin is death. We need a resurrection. The good news is Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And if you don't believe that on the third day Jesus was actually resurrected from the grave, you cannot believe that he can resurrect you from the grave. He is our only hope. Buddha, Muhammad, all of these religions, they are dead works that lead to hell. Jesus is the only one that leads to life. And if you're here and you know that you have truly never fully surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus, would you lift your hand and say, Pastor Sean, I'm getting right. I'm surrendering everything to him today. Just lift it up high so I can see it. I see that one hand. Is there more? Okay. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. If your hand is up, look at me, please. God loves you. God loves you. Listen, Jesus is not a part of the equation. He is, he is Savior, but he's Lord. He says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. But if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father. This is not you surrendering a moment. It's you saying, Jesus, take my life. I give everything to you. So for those of you that are looking at me, if you're really serious, I want you to take a stand in faith and I want you to stand up to your feet right now. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Come on, praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I'm telling you. Don't, don't sit down. Stay right there. I want to say this to you. I believe that you are genuinely giving your lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He loves you so much. You don't have to jump through hoops. He's done everything at Calvary. You've just simply said, I'm all in. I'm following you, Jesus. Here's everything. I give you my life. I'm telling you, what just happened to you is the Holy Spirit came into you and made you a brand new person. Now, here's the deal. You're saved, but we want to help you grow. 
We want to help you experience freedom. We want to help you discover your purpose so that you can live on mission, experience all that God has for you. So would you do me a favor before you leave, will you come and see the altar team? We have a, we'll even have a gift for you to help you start growing. It's very, very important that you let somebody pray over you so that they can help you take those next steps. And I just want to say, welcome home. Welcome home. Come on. All right, y'all can sit. Y'all can sit. All right, everybody, jump up to your feet. Come on, let's pray before Pastor Jesus dismisses us. God, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for those people. Come on, church, you better come into agreement with this. Thank you for those who just made a decision to follow Jesus. Oh, God, that's why we're here, to help people know you and experience freedom. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, 